unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this month, we're taking a travel back in time to 1998 to review the cult classic? I'd say so, yeah. Blade. You could argue that maybe there's never been a black comic book character brought to life as successfully as Black Panther. You're wrong. The first successful black superhero was in 1998. Yeah, so this is pre-Matrix, pre-Marvel, one year after Batman and Robin had just happened. Had just ruined cinemas. Yeah, so uh, a while ago, so we're going to be looking at uh, why this film stands up to the test of time, what it was for us back in the day. We'll do the usual chat about production. Uh, there'll be coulda, woulda, shoulda. There'll be lots of pounding, pounding techno music. Hopefully. Well, maybe just... It was the late 90s after all. Exactly. But before we go any further, a quick word from George with some general housekeeping. Housekeeping. We are not film journalists. We are two brothers who grew up on a healthy diet of films and enjoy talking about it. So uh, there will be rambling, there will be the occasional swearing, and more than likely uh, the odd bad impression as well. So we aim to entertain, hopefully be a little bit of trivia in there for you. We're looking at these films with fresh eyes, aren't we? We're going back. I mean, we loved these films growing up. We love them when we watch them. We've watched them since, but... Seeing if they still hold up. Yeah, in the wake of all of the comic book films that are coming out, we're being... Well, we also thought, obviously, uh, this uh, to coincide with the launch of the biggest Marvel film to date, uh, Avengers Infinity War, which is being advertised, really pushed as hard as possible. There's a lot of people that are probably too excited about it, but it's a big event. Obviously, the whole um, Marvel Cinematic Universe, the whole MCU has build, been building up to us. So we thought it was quite apt to, to go back and look at the first genuinely successful Marvel property. Excellent. And what are we recording on, George, this time? I guess 1998, we are rife with mini discs. Well, you know, I, you and I are big fans of the mini-disc, so uh, I think even in this film, Stephen Dorff is listening to a mini-disc at one point. I'm pretty, it's a pretty good, it's a jungle track, which I'll yeah. try and embed somewhere in this show. So, uh, we've got everything ready. We're but, in, the, in the Vampire Archives, let's, let's go. Yeah, it's smelly, smells of blood, but uh, let's, let's hit it. Enjoy the show. Everywhere, a secret nation of evil. Tonight, the age of man comes to an end. A war to save our world. Played myself, killed as many of them as we can find. A hero who knows no fear. He makes the weapons. I use them. Wesley Snipes. Stephen Dorff. Blade. Rated R. Starts Friday. So George, 1998, Blade, Wesley Snipes, who brought us this marvel of a Marvel film? First of all, I'll talk a little bit, as I did in our Batman episode, I'll give you a bit of a background to Blade, the, the character. 
So uh, he first appeared in the mid-1970s, created not by Stan Lee uh, or Jack Kirby, who developed a lot of the key Marvel properties, created by an amazingly named guy called Marv Wolfman, uh, who sounds like a comic book character in himself. The comic essentially mixed those exploitation influences of the 70s with classic vampire lore, so Van Helsing, uh, Dracula, things like that. So the, the character went through various guises since the 70s, but his only main superpower, which they established a little bit later on, was he had an immunity to vampire bites. So um, there's been a lot of um, freedom with the film adaptation. They've obviously, because he's not that much of a well-known comic book character they've yeah there's there's been quite an open interpretation with with this film adaptation as i've discovered because i've never read the books i think the first time i became aware of the character um was a show that you and i used to watch in the mid-90s the uh, spider-man cartoon blade first popped up uh, in that uh, in sort of in more sort of popular form and the character was always uh, an, an aggressive loner but he was quite outspoken so Wesley going for the sort of strong silent type again is a different sort of spin on the character. But they had to do more than just him turning up going, what's your special power? It's like, I am immune to vampire bites. Nobody can bite me. Nobody okay. can bite me. <laughs> We're going to need more than that. Yeah, the the mid-90s was a, a funny time for, for Marvel. So DC were being very successful. Uh, well, Batman was, um, as we say, until 1997 with Batman and Robin. Eyes to see you. But Marvel had really struggled to, ha um, to have a successful film adaptation. So they were facing bankruptcy as a, a company at, at the time in the mid-90s. They'd sold off a lot of the rights to their, their projects. So that's why it took a bit of a while for the MCU to be formed. But So there had been film adaptations. They sold X-Men to Fox. X-Men to Fox, uh, Spider-Man to Sony... Bizarrely, this was picked up by New Line Cinema, who were a division of Warner Brothers. So, a Warner Brothers How were actually... How ironic. Ironic. So, yeah, there'd been the Punisher film with Dolph Lundgren, which I think we need to revisit at some point because it's... Is that the one with uh, John Travolta? No, 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 no. The, the, the first one with Dolph Lundgren the, right. as the Punisher. And apparently it's, it's like it was straight to video and it's... I've seen it years ago. It's pretty Like many... Bad. Many other Dolph Lundgren films. Many. Most, <laughs> most some would say. Um, there was also a Captain America film in the, I think, early 90s, maybe late 80s. Again, that's pretty ropey. Um, but originally, yeah, the film started off being produced at Columbia with, uh, apparently with LL Cool J um, tipped to, to lead the role. Right. Um, but yeah, it eventually ended up at New Line and with a writer... Uh, called David Goya on writing duties and Goya would go on to become famous for writing the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy however he has also delivered wrote and directed the third Blade film Blade Trinity which many people consider fairly awful because it is I found it watchable I was just happy to have another Blade film True. at the time I wasn't I think now looking back at it yeah you can point fun at it but um, I think what was more interesting about that film was what was going on like behind, behind the, the camera uh, in terms of Wesley Snipes and everything else but we'll get to that in a bit um, so yeah in, in terms of um, where when it ended up at New Line and Boy, uh, Goya on board in terms of the casting wish list uh, Wesley Snipes was the top of that list and obviously so because following you know in the sort of mid 90s following Demolition Man Passenger 57 Snipes was was a hot commodity brought that sort of 
even if it was a lesser known comic book character, people were, you know, would happily just go and see any new Wesley Snipes films. Interestingly, he was doing a, uh, a variety of different projects. So he was, whilst he was doing the more action orientated stuff like Demolition Man and Passenger 57, he was also doing some uh, sort of, you know, dramas as well, character led dramas. But ironically, around the same time that Blade was trying to get made, Snipes was trying to make and produce uh, a film based on the Black Panther comic. Yeah, because that's what I, I think I heard or you and I discussed, the fact that what led Wesley Snipes to do Blade was actually his interest. He wanted to do Black Panther first and he actually, he got offered Blade. Yeah, he spent a lot of time trying to get Black Panther made. He spoke with various directors. People aren't ready for this yet. <laughs> well, that was it. And they were trying the direct... He met with John Singleton, who made Boys in the Hood, and he was keen to set it in America and tie it into the actual Black Panther political group. And that was also a concern that people didn't know the character. They would think it was a political drama about the Black Panthers and also the limits of special effects at the time. So all the sort of challenges that Wesley Snipes faced when he when he was approached with Blade he was like okay well you know what have I learned from my my work on Black Panther so he's obviously had quite a lot of input he wanted to um, give the Blade a, a comic book film with a sort of a Hong Kong action aesthetic and as I said you know the, they've it's quite a loose interpretation of the comic book. But that's why the film looks so stylistic. You've got the, that great sped-up camera stuff going on and sort of a noir tinge to it. Yeah, so in terms of uh, directors, they apparently David Fincher was originally approached and I think it's a good thing that he passed because this is 1998 and obviously David Fincher would go on in 1998, to make Fight Club. One, one of the best films ever. One of the best films ever made. Uh, the film's directed by Stephen Norrington, whose background was in special effects. He worked on one of the films was uh, Aliens. Um, Heard of it? May may be familiar with it. Um, so yeah, it, this was like his his second feature. He'd done one uh, his first film, Death Machine, um, was seen as being quite weird, violent, and controversial, but. Um, it was supposed to be very slickly and stylishly done, so that's why he'd sort of attracted attention there. Stephen Norrington, whilst Blade is probably his most famous film, his second most famous <laughs> film is his last feature. Uh, so he's done four films in total, and his last film uh, was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It wasn't just his last film. So yes, that was a failed comic book property, and that was responsible for making Sean Connery retire from acting early. Um, <laughs> apparently, Connery hated working with Norrington so much, apparently they almost came to uh, hitting each other. And Connery's quoted as saying, the first day I met him, I knew he was insane. <laughs> so, yes. Um, Interesting. I he, mean, he's, it, well, I mean, yeah, as you say, we're going to go on to talk about the style of this film, but he's... This film shows, and I forgot how well shot, well edited this film is. Yeah, I mean, arguably, were it not for some of the costume designs and, and one or two small bits of CGI, this film still stands up very well today and could easily be, you could easily make the mistake that this was part of, would you call it phase one, the Iron Man, Incredible Hulk um, phase? You could. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's not that far off it. No, no, not at all. I mean, there is a... Five five or six years. I mean, there's there's quite a, yeah, a nice sort of uh, realistic approach of, you know, a hidden world, a world with beneath the world sort of type thing that's yeah. been going on. It's and, always been here. You just yeah. didn't know about it. So, 
before we dive into the film, George, I think we both saw this at the cinema. Uh, that is correct. Uh, I remember together, us, together as brothers. Uh, yeah, I remember we hadn't really seen much about it. I mean, I don't know if we'd even seen a trailer, but it was, it was one just, of those films that came out of nowhere. It wasn't a summer blockbuster. It wasn't. I think it came out, if I remember rightly, it came uh, out Halloween? randomly like October time. I think, yeah. I think it was around about Halloween. Vampires yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah, and we were just like, oh, new Wesley Snipes film. Looks look like he kicks ass and he's got a samurai sword. Um, <laughs> so Samurai sword, vampires. Yeah, let's yeah. give it a go. And so, yeah, I think we, we went into it with quite, well, quite low expectations, but... I think you know it's fair in saying we were both blown away by it at the time. But also, this was I mean, a, we were the key key demographic. We were the key demographic. We were, you know, I was, uh, so I would have been like seventeen, eighteen. You would have been in teens as well. Yeah, four, 14, 15. And this was also at the same time DVDs had come upon us. So I just remember this being one of the first DVDs, this and X-Men, and watching it over and over well, again. Yeah, that was something I was going to go on to later. Is that yeah. Um, that this film for me in terms of first memories is of yeah the, my first memory of a dvd special features so yeah. we'll go on to talk about yeah we'll talk the, about the deleted scenes in a bit the deleted scenes and the alternate endings but that was so mind-blowing to sort of to, to have all of that content yeah to have that content and to be like something that you never heard of before you know or stuff that had been maybe you'd read in a magazine and or you know internet well before the internet there wasn't really that kind of type of content available yeah, you didn't get to see it. So let's let's dive into the film that is Blade. A great opening scene. I think you ask anybody what's one of your favourite opening scene without getting too niche, you know, what's your favorite comic book opening scene? This is just brilliant, especially for the sign of the time. Remember this, this is predating the Matrix. And it, there's so many things it does brilliantly. Like the, uh, obviously there's the soundtrack, but it's just the- Pounding, pounding techno. Pounding music. techno. Um, an American version of what a nightclub looks like. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny you say that, like about sort of, you know, strongest opening of of any film, never mind a, a comic book uh, property. There was something on Twitter recently, somebody was asking, you know, what are your top three favorite openings? And there was there was a lot of, you know, films that have been thrown into the mix already, you know, stuff like Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, things like that. But yeah, for me, Blade was when I was scratching my brain thinking, you know, what else? Blade was one of the first that came into my head that it's, it's such a, and I think that's it, it's sort of, such a bold opening it really grabs you, your attention and because you're wondering what's going on you know yeah. they, they've already dropped that style in that they're in the car they're going to this bloodbath this club and it's already they're already doing the camera tricks and there's and there's things there's the tiny little things i, I always get mixed up but they're driving along and there's stuff going on on the side of the street which on a second viewing you realize they're vampires yes yeah no it's um they're everywhere they're everywhere no it's it's really well done there's a lot of yeah, speeding up and sort of jump cuts, jumping back and forth. Um, and yeah, it opens, yeah, you've got this this car driving through the city. Well, after the sort of the Batman-esque opening of seeing Blade's mother, you know, it's all very sort of 
quickly cut flashback flashback oh she's been attacked by some animal <laughs> two bite marks on her neck more, what could it be more exposition dialogue um <laughs> but yeah it's a bit of a, a batman-esque opening and then it quickly cuts forward to present day or i think it just says now yeah um and yeah you've got this um this girl and a guy in a car the guy could not be any more of a white boy wannabe jock douchebag he is really really annoying doesn't know what he's doing he's just yeah he's he's out of his league um and i think it's it's safe to say we all want him to die we're not expecting him to but you know we we are soon hoping that he is going to die i mean you know we can understand why everyone's barging him in the club whilst he's trying to do his really bad dancing and what what a club scene though you've got that banging techno track which you and I, I think, probably argued over who it is. It is actually New Order, isn't it? It's a New Order remix. It's a New Order remix, but yeah. I think when we were listening to it, we had, we, it was a, we, we had the other the guys who'd done the remix. You know, like it, I can't yeah. remember it being. We had it it's was, not by New Order. I think it's a remix of a New Order song or something yeah. like that. We'll we'll just we'll, have it playing gently in the background. It's lovely bedding th- music throughout this episode. We'll be pounding, pounding techno music, but it's a cracking track. And Good th- twist on a nightclub scene. The fact that people aren't reaching, you know... Reaching for the lasers, reaching for the, the blood sprinklers. Blood sprinklers. Yeah, no, it's, it is... Um, the crescendo of it, the evening. It, it is an amazing scene in terms of, I mean, as you say, it's a very Hollywood depiction of a nightclub. Sexy people, sexy dancing, <laughs> all girls dancing with each other. But, yeah, that whole part of the music building up the and then the, yeah. cr- the crescendo and instead of people being off their faces on drugs they are off their faces on blood yes De- delicious blood <laughs> but then it cuts to and I, I, again the, the style is is awesome of you know this uh this human josh du- white boy is uh you know, trying to make his escape everyone's covered in blood everyone's covered in blood and it gets to wesley who's on the edge of the crowd not a drop on him he's shining he's he's, he's he's got like this sort of matte finish on all of his body armor blade thing and he's just like so pristine and i think even by the end of it he, throughout the film he does not get a drop on him uh, well and as you say um you know it was pre-matrix but it was the late 90s so long black leather trench coats were were kind of they were big. in i had a leather leather coat if you remember in the late 90s i thought you didn't want to talk about your stylistic uh, no, challenges no, no I'm, I'm quite proud of my my leather jacket my wife uh, still has horrible flashbacks of my my leather you're jacket. not allowed to wear it anymore though no no sadly it's uh, it's it's been disposed of but yeah so we not- jump into this amazing beautifully choreographed as a pre-matrix fight yeah i mean and i think that's the the surprising i think the graphics the when with the uh the that vampire, was a surprise yeah the vampires being taken out and they disintegrate into ash and dust that was at the time i think you still now you see nothing like it you know you yeah. know with obviously with stuff like in the lost boys and and another sort it of it was very films. slow melt and melting yeah sort of uh, very much prosthetic based but yeah i think it's safe to say that the, the the cgi sort of vampire deaths still hold up reasonably well i mean they obviously get better in the films remember they're they're really good in blade 2 aren't they because they're more like sort of glowing with ash and stuff like that yeah no they because they that was i think that was four years later yeah there was quite a gap between and then the they two. made another one 
I think four years or two, two anyway. Yeah. There was there was some gaps between these films, but not too long. But it did allow the CGI, which was very quickly developing, to go to the next level. Um, but it's it's a. I just think the choreography is great. It's no, it's it's a great. I mean, obviously Wesley is an accomplished martial artist. Don't and, mess. And there's some yeah, there's some great like choreography, you know, throughout this film. And we may have touched on it previously, but you don't get that that style of smooth of, editing. Yeah, that smooth editing where you can actually appreciate. The, the moves and stuff they're doing because it is a bit like the stuff that Jackie Chan does. It's almost... Um, Blinking and missing. Well, no, it's a balletic. It's a bit like a ballet. It's in terms of the moves and the form and stuff like that. It, it all looks good. And in, in true sort of 80s, 90s uh, martial arts, everyone attacks him one at a time. Everyone get him one at a time. But I do love that there's a few, and I'll talk about it in the Act 3, there's some great things they do in terms of the fight choreography in that... When he kick, when he does like a like a side kick into this guy, before he kicks him, he moves his his long trench coat out of the way, and then he kicks him. Ah, nice. And it's a, such a smooth move because if you actually that maybe they did a few cuts. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's some great little. He, he's he's having fun with it, and this is I think what Wesley brings that um, other action heroes didn't bring with them. Yes, we had we've had Van Damme, but you know Stallone and Arnie weren't able yeah. to bring this. He is a um, He's, you know, he's a very highly decorated martial artist, but he was able to put a new dimension on that into his acting. He, it was, and as we, sorry, I know it's the third time we're saying it, but this is, but we hadn't seen the Matrix yet. So I mean, mm. the, and, and in terms of that marrying up, usually in films previously there was gunfights and and martial arts separately. Yeah, this I think this was the first like a combination of the two that obviously the Matrix did really well, where you're combining gunplay and fighting all at the same time. We'd so have to wait a bit thing. longer before we got full-on Gun Carter. Gun Carter in Equilibrium, that, <laughs> that, that Matrix rip-off. That a world ruled by Sean Pertwee's head. Massive head. <laughs> enough uh, about that. <laughs> a mass, enough about that. So, yeah, you've even got, um, I think, one of my favourite moments is when he's got that sort of rocket-assisted, what's well, a shotgun that fires steel uh, stakes, and he blasts that guy across the room, and he impales him, like, stakes him on the wall, and he does a, a really good fist pump. Yeah, yes. even, even he's happy with his yeah, work. Yeah, Wesley's pumped about it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's got the guy that, that crops up, who's uh, the, the bad guy, Deacon Frost's uh, right-hand man, a guy called Quinn, is played by Donald Logue, and he's recently been in... He's the best thing in the Gotham TV show, you know, the Batman spin-off. I tried to get into it, but a Batman spin-off... A, a, a Gotham show with no Batman, I'd struggle. Yeah, no, this guy, uh, Donald Logue, he plays a the corrupt partner to Jim Gordon, and I'd say I watched most of the first series, and yeah, I just couldn't get into it. I found the characters too annoying, but he's really good as this corrupt cop um whereas he's actually really brilliantly annoying in this film i would say i think you know he's he's, he's well cast yeah he, he does his job very well so yeah he's been set on fire there's that i remember you one of your favorite moments where the police turn up at the uh the meat locker and the cop just points at the burning cops and just goes put him out it's so casual <laughs> it's like he takes a look at the scene he takes it all in and he's like Put him out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like, oh, for God's sake, that put man's on fire. It's just like, put him out. But then I, get, I think I was thinking this on the second watch, that because, you know, I always used to laugh at how casual that cop is. But then watching it this time, I was like, oh, no, because they've got the police as well. So maybe, yeah, he's, maybe he's, these he's, police who he's, turned up know he's, it's a vampire. I don't, yeah. I don't know. 
Quinn's corpse, in inverted commas, gets sent to the morgue. He wakes up, you know, it's, a, it's, it's actually one of the few genuine horror moments, I'd say, in this yeah. film. Yeah, because he's burnt to a crisp. But it's been he, cut open. Cut open, That's but he wakes gruesome, up yeah. and, uh, yeah, he's shot to a crisp and just turns into an animal, which I thought was hilarious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> hey man, he's got to regenerate. He needs, uh, he needs human blood. Yeah, um, and obviously yeah, Wesley turns up to finish him off. Yeah, I think Wesley does a bit of lisping because he's got his fangs in. There's, there's quite a lot on this through this film where you can see people have got fangs in and when they haven't got fangs in. Mm. Now I was listening to uh, an interview with uh, Wesley recently and he was talking about how uncomfortable it was to like wear the teeth in and get used to them yeah. so yeah you can see that is sort of coming through in, in the performance but yeah as, as we said so he's, he's got this uh, very handily he he picks up this hematologist, is she? Yeah. She's a damsel in distress who also is can... a blood specialist. Yeah. Very handy for when you're fighting vampires. Yeah. You talked about the the, the stylist film, and I think Norrington does this really nice. I don't know the exact term for it, but he's speeding up. It's almost like a time lapse thing. I, I think I knew the name. It's called cranking, isn't a it? A speed ramping, I think. Or was that? I think that's a fighting style where you like. <laughs> Neither of us know. <laughs> no, no, but I think speed ramping is where like that sort of Van Damme effect where you see a move and then it suddenly it speeds up really quickly. And what's cranking? Cranking is something else as well where you. Uh, that's Cr cranking is something I do when I'm alone. Crying and no 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 no. no, no. no. I'm, anyway, well, uh, well but anyway, uh, the, there's a lot. Of, there's a really nice uh, time lapse. So going, you know, that sort of stop motion photography from day to night, and I really like the feel that they get for like the streets are completely empty at dusk. Like there's not not a single car apart from Blade's car on the streets. Yeah, um, it's got a good, you know, quite a sort of brooding soundtrack as well throughout and they keep this style all the way through i think that's what's good it doesn't go all nuts yeah and it doesn't spend a huge amount of time during the day does it no there's a few but even when it's in the day there's a lot of in shadow and stuff like that it's they the fact that they have to do most of the stuff there is some stuff outside but just yeah. as you imagine with a vampire film a lot of it goes on behind closed doors. And speaking of behind closed doors... So the next scene, we're at the Vampire Council. And I, re <laughs> I love this scene because it's so evil. You've got all the heads of vampires around this really long conference table. Beautiful set design. It's, and it's so camp because at the head vampire, you've got, um, who's quite a renowned uh, sort of character actor, is a guy called Udo Kier. We love Udo Kier. He turned up in everything. He's in loads of films, loads of TV, and he is so camp. The, the vampire council has existed for thousands of years. <laughs> Frost, you Frost, you merely turned, turned. You're not a pure blood like us. Anyway, so it, it's establishes um, Stephen Dorff as, as the main uh, villain, Deacon Frost, who is, he's quite cool, he's he's against the grain, so yeah, as you said, he's not a pure-blood vampire, he's been turned, but he's sick of their old ways, and he just doesn't give a shit. Whatever, thinks, I think. sees the human as cattle, we should be yeah. ruling them, Yeah, and he's got, he's got a point, they've got superpowers, why are they hiding yeah. in the dark, you know? But then we quickly see, switch to Blade's hideout, and we get introduced to Blade's sort of uh, right-hand man, his partner... His Q branch. His, his Q branch. Igor. Uh, <laughs> um, who is Whistler, 
Yeah. Um, the brilliant uh, Chris Christopherson, who is a legendary actor who's quite big in the 70s as an actor. He's also a uh, country musician as well. He's a good singer. And I think he's he's a great addition to the film. He sort of... Brings gravitas, definitely. He definitely brings gravitas, but he also brings a bit of like... Tongue-in-cheek with when it comes to Blade's macho yeah the, Yeah, the whole sort of po-faced, uber-seriousness of Wesley, even though Wesley does have some great lines... He's got somebody to, you know, him and Whistler, you know, bounce off each other. And there's, there's some good moments. There. And I forgot how funny it is, you know, when he's, he gives him that big... Uh, oh, the UV torch. Yeah, and he's like, still heavy. <laughs> he's like, but you're so big. Yeah. But there's, um, that's sort of establishing, um, you've got Blade's living quarters full of books. He's, and also, he, they're in an unused factory, which we all want to just knock about in an unused factory. Loads well, of space... It, it just gave me sort of I don't know I was getting I was having uh, like it reminded me of RoboCop. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. But yeah, we've we've, we've touched on uh, Stephen Dorf, Stephen Dorf, who um, I think is a great screen presence. I, I think it's a it's a real shame he's been in lots of stuff over the years, but I don't think he's I ever feel really like I've made. I've only seen him in two big films. Like SFW was like kind of like more of a TV film about that hostage situation. Yeah. That. that um, but he's and he's, this I can't. What else is he? Well, I, I looked in. He's like he's just sort of popped up in like loads of, he's, he's continually working but mm. he's not really doing anything he was in a I think before he did this he was in a film Backbeat which was all about the Beatles and apparently like he was the fifth Beatle mm. so based on a true story he was apparently his brilliant performance um, and yeah I think he's he's great in this he's he ticks all the boxes he's you know he's cool he's charismatic he's he's funny he also rocks a really tight shirt with an open neck and a massive collar very, you know, late 90s, whether it's black or white, he's, he's yeah. got that look, he's got that sort of feathered sort of hair. Mm. He's, yeah. He I looked it. up to him. I wanted to rock, pop up, you know, pop collar. I wanted to wear that, that, sh- that I, shirt like he does, but I couldn't. I, I wanted him to turn me, but, you know, not <laughs> that way, not in that way. Don't give me that look. Um, so, and who are, in terms of the other supporting actors, you've got the hematologist. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you pronounce, so she's called Karen in the film, um, but her, her, I'm going to uh, pr- pronounce her name. Just say it very quickly. Nabush, right? It's N apostrophe Bush. Nabush. Nabush, Nabush. Nabush, right? Nabush, well, yeah, we, we have no idea. We're not but, mocking, we just but, don't know. Uh, but, so Karen uh, is, she's our, she's the audience's eyes, you know. She uh, She's new to this world of vampires. And again, like uh, every good retro Rambo f- film, there's some economic exposition. Yeah. So whether it's by Whistler, whether it's by Blade. The first act is, sorry, act one and act two is pretty much just exposition well it's, it's just sort of like blades walking down the street with karen he's like that's a vampire glyph <laughs> that's a vampire car um that's he's a vampire i can tell i know how the way they walk the way they hold themselves yeah he's he's not a vampire but he's a familiar yeah. familiars what are familiars well familiars they are they work for the vampires yeah um so yeah there is some exposition but it's on the move so it's it's fine um as i said they um the original blade character doesn't have all these superhero strengths, this you know, all the the vampire strengths in in the comics. This is a new addition, but I think it adds 
an interesting twist to the character of Blade, the fact that at the end of the day he is a vampire. But yeah, that, uh, you know that is just unaffected by sunlight. He's got his serum. He's, he's got a serum, but he hates the very thing he is. He, so he, he, but he doesn't belong to humans. He doesn't belong to vampires. He's just somewhere in the middle. And they also nicely set up. Well, maybe maybe they're setting up three. Maybe they're not. But he turns to Karen. He says, "All I want to do in my life is meet the guy that made me what I am." He's like, oh, we'll just wait till Act Three. We'll just. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that convenient? <laughs> Well, we've, we're, we're back with Deacon Frost and again, some well-edited stuff, but it's, uh, you've got Deacon What's his plan? What's his master plan? He has, because there's obviously, there's the, we talked about before, the amazing Vampire Council with Udil Kier. <laughs> Udil Kier. Um, but then obviously Frost has got his overthrow, his little... So his, he's he's running his, his techno blood clubs, but he's also... He uh, has a plan to usurp. Yeah, by raising Lamagra, the yeah. the blood god. Yeah, you know Lamagra. Yeah, everyone knows Lamagra. Well, we, not to be confused with Lamanga, which is a tennis club in southern Spain. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Frost still on about that place in the Costa del Sol? <laughs> uh, Gary Lineker goes on holiday. There. <laughs> so yeah, he is a vampire. So Frost has this plan um, to take out the Vampire Council or to to overthrow it. So yeah, he can uh, they can properly rule the human race. To do that, he needs to take out Utokia. So he takes him to the beach. Him and his uh, blonde girlfriend get a little sexy with applying suntan cream to each other. I think it's quite a, ni a nice uh, twist, the fact that, you know, vamp music. vampires putting on suntan cream. Well, you also don't know what they're doing. You work it out later, but it yes. just looks like she's moist doing some very sexual moisturizer. It's just like a really weird Nivea advert. It gives a whole new meaning to the term of facial. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then they put at sunrise, so Udo Kier melts pretty much like the guys out of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> I was going to say, in Indiana Jones. <laughs> but he just stand up. To it. He doesn't go down cowering. He does like kind of sit up to the he's, to the sun. Yeah, he's quite defiant. And explodes. <laughs> and explodes. But yeah, that's it. So <laughs> like, yeah. How do we know he's dead? Well, his corpse did explode. And but obviously he's taking. He takes out. I, I do like that he takes out his fangs. Yes. To prove to the council that he's now the new boss. I've, I, I am in charge. I've got his fangs. So yeah, then we've got the first confrontation between. Blade and Frost, and again, that's a, a daytime scene. It's a quite well-written scene, and I think, you know, obviously, uh, David Goyer, you know, would go on, I think, some of the stuff in, in the Nolan Batman films is great, especially with Dark Knight, you know. Well, it's between... a lot of standoffs. Yeah. And that's what this is. It's a great standoff between Frost and Blade. N Nemesis and Hero. Yeah, and also he's like, you want me, you want to take me, you want to shoot me, but I... All I you, just... you should be joining us, buddy. Yeah, you should be, you should be, we should be ruling the humans. But no, it's a good scene. And then obviously you, you can kind of tell that we're hurtling towards, uh, we're setting up Act 3. Everybody needs motivation. What's Blade's motivation going to be? If he didn't have one already, Whistler's death. Whistler's death. Spoiler! <laughs> yes, what you, I've, we, we've kind of skipped over. There's like a few more action scenes. So there's a bit where they're in the vampire archives, lots and lots of servers with red lights. And then they're in the actual, the vampire Bible. And oh, that's when they nearly catch Blade. Yes, they, they they nearly capture. There's there's some good action there, uh, where he yeah he's getting his ass kicked, but then Whistler comes and saves the day. A few scenes later, that Frost and his team sort of catch up with uh, with Whistler and take him out. And it's yeah, I think it's quite a, a touching scene. You know, he's Whistler's on his deathbed and and Blades basically holding him. But I thought that sort of that emotional 
poignancy was lost when Whistler's covered in blood and Blade has the like tiniest <laughs> tissue and he's just like dabbing <laughs> these pools of blood like it's gonna be okay buddy it's gonna be <laughs> can I find anything larger we're in a factory can you get maybe get a towel exactly he's just like <laughs> he gets him he's like yeah it's, it's, it's pretty bad but I don't know how you feel because um, obviously it's a moving scene for, it's, it's a moving scene and you know as you say it gives Blade walk away just walk away buddy um, but it gives Blade that, that motivation if he, if he needed it to, to, to basically kill everyone mm-hmm. all the vampires sorry we're kind of spoiler territory for, for Blade 2 but people who are familiar with the Blade trilogy obviously Whistler comes back in the second one and whilst it's it's great to have him back. I say he's a great character. Um, Chris Christopherson is is a brilliant actor, and they do interesting things with it. Ooh, is he a vampire? Isn't he? In the second one, I kind of feel it kind of cheapens this moment of the fact that you know he's lost his father figure, his mentor. Yeah, it seemed like they were reaching when they went back to it. And it's almost like Pirates of the Caribbean. You thought he was dead, but you loved him in the first one. Don't worry, we'll bring him back anyway. <laughs> Um, I remember just watching this because I'm not sure if we're up to this bit yet. Is now a good time to talk about that bed that Deacon Frost has? Would you call it a, a bed trap? What, the bed chamber type sort of pressure? It's like a, a giant bravel but with a bed in the middle. Does it come with its own scantily clad hottie? That, <laughs> just to <sort of laughs> release. Because what was she doing when the bed was shut? Was she just like encased in it? Is the bed closed? <laughs> like, I'll, I'll just wait here. Or maybe it's to protect them from daylight. I think it, it well, it's basically like a... Coffin. A, <laughs> a, a very advanced coffin. Yeah. And then that's when I realised that I to- at, at this point in the film... 20 years on or whatever, I totally forgot his mum <laughs> rocks up. Yes, yes. Are we skipping it? No. Well, that is sort of, that's in, that's in third act, but we've kind of, I think we're, 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 we're hurtling towards it. So uh, Whistler's dead. You've got, Blade's you, getting closer. He's working out the plot of Frost. He's think, doing a bit of detective work. So it's a good sort of Batman-y detective yeah, thing so, running throughout. So he's got this 3D graphic of... <laughs> of La Magra that they've got off the really fat vampire. And I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like by the end of the film, we've seen this 3D oh graphic. Oh my God, so many times. At least 20 times. It's, it's like, a, well, what is it? And it's like, well, you can see, you, we've like, already seen it. Dot, dot, dot. It's like, someone's like, guys, I've spent a lot of time making this 3D program. Hey man, can, at can the we... time, this would have been leading edge 3D well, multimedia exactly. graphics. It's like, can we just make sure it features quite highly in the film? I thought we were only going to show this once. <laughs> The final edit, it is shown like three times at least. Oh no, it's more than that. It's, yeah. it's, it's just like constantly running in the background <laughs> of like the Whistler's death scene. It's just like, <laughs> blood god, don't forget about the blood god. And even on his deathbed, Whistler's like still delivering exposition <laughs> about the blood god. Frost took it, said something about Raisin Lamagra. Temple. Get that. Here's the address. <laughs> <laughs> so Blade, in, in typical sort of 80s, 90s action film uh, fashion, gears up. He's getting his guns. He's making silver bullets. Sword. He's getting so, all ready. He's getting Shopping his sword. And he has a little bit of meditation. Just calm down. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just to calm down. Actually, I'm, I'm being a bit rash. Maybe I should just... Can't we all just get along? Deacon, <laughs> Deacon Frost, come on. Um, but yeah, we talked about this. There's a lot of pre-Matrix stuff in this. And I f- feel there's um, there's an action scene where Blade sort of attacks Frost's high-rise apartment building. And again, I was getting shades of that 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 lobby scene from The Matrix. The lobby scene. The lobby scene. It's, you know, there's no way he's like 
turning up, there's loads of uh, guys clad in squat gear, riot gear, yeah. waiting for him to turn up, and he turns up and takes them all out. Yeah. And then there's those, one at a time. What, what, <laughs> one at a time. Um, there's those great. What are they called? The uh, the blood chemicals that make people's blood makes them explode. We don't know. We don't <laughs> care. <laughs> that That's going to be the funniest use of CGI. Where the guy's head blows up like a massive raspberry. Because <laughs> there's those two like, yeah, we can do martial arts. We're going to slow you down. Not with one of these syringes in your eye. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're sort of, we're hurtling along, but uh, we're already at uh, the the third act, the, the, the Vampire Temple. And I'm actually, I, th- I forgot, like, it's quite an impressive set, like, in terms of oh, the, so sc- the scale of it. How did they do it? <laughs> well, that's it, like, I think... Building it, site, or was it, like, underground? Did they hollow it out? Did it? Does it actually <laughs> exist? <laughs> oh, God, we're onto something. Truth is out there. But no, I think if, if it was made in today's you know sense that that would be clearly like a, a cgi extension and yeah. i don't think from from watching the the vast all 13 minutes of the special features on the dvd there are a lot of uh mind you it was it was the birth of dvd it was new it was yeah like, just put everything on the dvd put, put everything put everything interview with the cleaner put it on there <laughs> um but it, it does look like it was uh, they built the yeah, this massive practical temple set the plan of for la magra is they need the blood of the daywalker to to uh, drip on to the vampire council blade is the key and uh, to to raise la magra and i think if you've seen the the honest trailers it becomes a sort of a plot point that all the Blade films use, that Blade's blood is the the plot device <laughs> moving the plot forward for each of the Blade films. So yeah, in this one, they've they've captured Blade. They need to drain his bl- uh, blood. Uh, thankfully, they've got in this temple that they've uncovered. Oh, the custom-built coffin. <laughs> yeah, so they've got this blood draining block. That I've, that's what I've written in my notes. That perfectly fits the silhouette of Wesley Snipes. Yeah. I've just got one question. What if Blade was fat? <laughs> what if we were? I've, I've just been doing lots of meditating and I've decided to let myself go a bit. I wasn't able to eat blood, so I've just been having loads and loads of like milkshakes. No, but, but yeah, my it, arteries are pretty clogged. It is. It is a valid question. What if he was taller? You know, it was like, would he have to bend on his knees? Well, that's it. I mean, but but it looks pretty cool. It does look cool, and we get and we're thinking it's that great sort of. Um, Hero, he's got all of the strengths and none of their weaknesses. And he seems to be kicking ass throughout the film. So it is a very good sort of, this is how we're going to level it. How's it going to get out? Uh, yeah, so it creates a bit of tension. Obviously, yeah, as you say, you um, there's that sort of third act twist that his mother is still alive. And she's still hot. She's still hot. She's... And she kind of wants to... What? Can we talk about this? Well, obviously, we touched on incest in Back to the Future in last month's so episode. So, continuing with that theme, continuing with the. Getting back to our monthly feature of Incest Monthly. <laughs> um, yeah, she's. Blade's mum is definitely into him. And it's sort of like, whoa, whoa, mum, just because we're vampires doesn't mean that incest is okay. Just because we both look the same sort of age. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's pretty hot. She's she's kind of into him. She's she's rubbing her nose all over him. It's 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 kind of weird. But what's even weirder so is Karen escapes, like Karen's been put in the, the pit with a rancor, but it's actually a, a zombie. It's her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> so, instead of a rancor, we've got your zombie ex-boyfriend. That we, br- we dragged out of the hospital, managed to find yeah so she escapes she gets blade out uh, of the blood block and the only way to get blade strength back is giving her blood to him 
Now, you know, it's... It's, it's totally consensual. It's totally consensual. <laughs> it's all the, the, the whole tension, the whole stakes are, are rising because, you know... The Lamagro is just about to reveal himself. That the, the the music's reaching a crescendo. The techno's building up. The techno's the techno's about to be released. But yeah, it's I mean obviously with the whole sort of vampire metaphor. Vampires are always about fear of sex, uh, fear of old age. Quite popular topic in the 80s because it's almost like a an AIDS metaphor as well but this is clearly a rape scene Blade she's even going no, stop yeah she's yeah, going no Blade stop and, and yeah, he him, doesn't want to stop until he's done he's sucking her dry so Blade gets his powers back and yep. dives into the temple badass release techno music <laughs> and i was when i was watching this i was really tempted to scream mortal combat um but i was on a crowded train and i thought and the last it? time you did that the last time i did that i a was lot of explaining uh scored off by the transport police but i love this fight i mean the the way he's taking them out one by one and even quinn because quinn takes his sunglasses off him so yeah, he manages to chop off Quinn's head with, the, with a weapon we didn't know he had. Was a, kind a, of a James Bond thing? Well, here's a weapon I've always had but never used. Yeah. So where is it? Is it it's like, like a drawstring on the side of his vest. Yeah, and he pulls it Gile? out. <laughs> yeah, I think it's obviously made of silver. A padded jule. And then he just takes the guy's head off yeah. and catches his and his head evaporates and he catches the sunglasses and put it on. And that's when the guy's sat in there with the tapes playing techno Te music. Release techno music. <laughs> and we, in our teens, we were like, yeah. We may have high-fived in the cinema. Uh, yeah, I think there was definitely some of that. But, the, you know, getting back to the choreography, there's this um, blink and you'll miss it where Blade rips a guy's throat off and then throws it at the next guy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but, I've, you know, we were talking about that sort of one-at-a-time attacking. I'm yeah. sure you can even see... That they're queuing in the, in up. The corner, yeah, there's a guy, like, jumping up and down on the balls of his feet. It's like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready, I'm ready to, to fight him. Just, just, just... Is I, can't fight, can I, I can't fight him until he's taken out the other guy. <laughs> I say it's it's a great fight scene. Um, again, it's choreographed with this pounding techno music, and it's great to see like all that choreography, all this sort of. There's a moment where Wesley and another guy are just doing, I think, roundhouses at each other. Yeah, it's very John Claude Van Damme. It's like, why? Well, I, I can roundhouse. Yeah, me too. But we're both missing each other. It doesn't matter. Just keep going. Does my looks cool? Um, Keep playing techno music. You've got the the only thing that does date this film is the the bits with the skeletons. Mm. Where where the, the the Jedi Council, sorry, Vampire Council, Vampire Council, <laughs> the ones that have existed for thousands of years. Yeah, where they all turn into CGI skeletons. That does not look good. That doesn't hold up. There's also the CGI blood for Lamagra. That yeah. really... just use real blood. Yeah, why that... not just drip real blood on them or um, but or now, syrup? Now is 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 now the time to talk about the the abandoned ending on the DVD special features. I think I think there isn't going to be a better time. So. Before we get to, because we have a, well, we can finish off talking about there's the great fight between. Yeah, so you've got the. The normal version. In the normal version, you've got a great fight between Deacon Frost and Blade with where, swords. I don't know where Deacon Frost gets his sword from. He's Lamagra. But it doesn't matter. He's, he's, it's like he's Batman. He's Lamagra. He's yeah. got a sword. But Wesley Snipes comes out with some great line, which we think he came up with on the spot. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Roundhousing the needle with the explosive DNA thing. I mean, do you practice that? You flip the syringe up in the air, you do a roundhouse. I mean, you're going to connect like probably six or seven times out of ten once you've got the timing right. But connecting 
I don't know. It's it, well it, for me. It's, it's, he's, for, for me, it's up there with the the scene in Hard Target where Ran, Van Damme does a roundhouse and kicks the grenade at Lance Henriksen. You know? <laughs> um, if if you've got an object that you could just clearly throw at somebody, it looks a lot better if you roundhouse it. But imagine okay. if you just missed it. Yeah, I was saying, <laughs> and it went into his went into his ankle <laughs> <laughs> and blew his own ankle off. <laughs> that that wouldn't have made the deleted scenes. Speaking of deleted scenes, so yeah, instead of this, I say my memory of the DVD is, is so vivid because I think it was the exa first example I'd seen of a completely different ending. And so in the original ending, Stephen Dorff still turned into La Magra, but instead of it just being a vampire with enhanced healing powers and being super strong, he actually turned into a like a, a tornado of blood. That Which was, is a very con small confined space. Doesn't look good. Um, that was throwing Blade around and stuff like that. And Blade still used his like blue blood boiling sort of chemical to kill La Magra. But it but, does but, not look anywhere near as good. But yeah, they, they say, they're, they're quite honest in the special features or on the DVD saying, yeah, we weren't sure how it was going to work. We tried to do it as a computer effect and yeah, it looked like jello. So yeah, it basically ends up looking like red jelly. The swirl of red jelly is throwing the Wesley Snipes around. Stephen Dorff's head keeps popping out of this red red uh, whirlwind of, of jelly. Check it out. It's on YouTube. It's, it's on Blade YouTube. alternate ending um, CGI. And yeah, they... they quickly sort of agreed that it was it was an awful idea so they scrapped it so yeah it cuts to the the sort of cliffhanger ending of blade now in russia and he's hunting vampires in russia which actually neatly goes into the the, the sequel i think he's in eastern europe in blade 2 i think the better way to put that is the sequel neatly goes off the back of the first film. yes maybe but but um no it's a great it's a great Great bit of work. Very, very happy with it. And I enjoyed watching it again. It's it's a lot of fun. It's I mean, quick. I, it's I, I think, not, it's not a long film. I think a lot of people, Guillermo del Toro did Blade 2, and I think people sort of see that as the superior film. And again, a bit it's more horror. And again, well, yeah, it's, it's scary. There, there, and it's got some bigger names in it. It's, it's, got, it's got Luke Goss from Bros. Luke Goss from Bros. No, it's, it's, I think Blade 2 is a great film, but I am in the same way. Uh, as I feel about X Men and X X Men sort of two, the the first one's doing all the heavy work in terms of yeah. introducing the mythology, the character, and as you say, it's got you know some great action scenes and some great action choreography, some banging techno, which isn't as as uh, prevalent in in the sequel. I think that there's also some really good stuff in the sequel as well. So I think it's. I like the vampires in the second one. The second one is a lot darker. Yeah, I think that's uh, sort of alien, sort of del Toro. Influence. Yeah, they're they're very sort of monstrous things. And as you say, there's some there's some great actors in there. You've got Ron uh, Pullman's in it. Yeah, you've got Ron Pullman. You've got Luke Goss. You've got some more camp European vampires. <laughs> you've got what's he called? Uh, is it Cat from uh, from Red Dwarf? Is it yeah. Lenny? What's his face? I can't remember. I just call him Cat from Red Le Dwarf. Lenny, Lenny James, I think it is. But that's yeah. it's worth a watch. And I think some of the CGI in that. Look, well, shaky, look shaky at the time. Can you remember? Yeah, no. Because with that, they've improved all the, the like the vampire deaths and stuff. But they try and do some martial arts using CGI doubles, and it just looks really rubbery. Yeah, I remember that. It's really yeah. That's the thing that dates that film badly. Mm -hmm. So apparently, you know, I say this. This was sort of the first successful Marvel adaptation. This is a year before. I mean, it kind of, in a way, reinvigorated the comic book genre after. <laughs> 
to uh, to play on a pun after Batman Robin drove a stake through the heart of the comic book industry. So yeah, this was kind of for Marvel a starting block. Maybe we could make enough money to buy back Spider Man. Yeah, maybe so, we can make enough money to buy back X Men. Well, I mean, no. If uh, obviously you know, it, it's uh, those rights uh, were still hold, um, but it it, Not sh- for it, long. it showed to yeah to Fox. It, let's let's give it a go with X Men, and then obviously I think it was in two thousand. Uh, Sam Raimi Spider Man came out, but the obviously because Marvel are now uh, all conquering the the rights are now uh, Four Blade are back at Marvel, and I think there was rumours uh, last year that Wesley Snipes was in talks to bring back the character because I think it's one of those things that a bit like Wolverine it could and, be older and it wouldn't matter. Uh, yeah, and well, people see him as you know like he it, is it, Blade. Yeah, it's his role. Um, but Kevin Feige has said that there's there's no uh, immediate plans to do anything with the character. But I don't know, what are your thoughts? Do you think it would work as, obviously, with, with some of the darker stuff that Marvel are doing, is all on Netflix? So Punisher, um, yeah, Daredevil. Like what, series, what, what, series cause, could Because there actually was a Blade series, I think it was released about 10 years ago, with some rapper in it. It's, it's obviously not that good because it, I think it lasted one series and nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, it could work as a series, obviously, I do, the character doesn't work as a sort of twelve A family friendly. You couldn't, you know, have him. No, in. It, and it has to be. It was the fact that we enjoyed this film. It was an eighteen, loads of blood, loads of limbs being chopped off, and it was dialed back. I think Blade Two was no Blade Two was an eighteen, but Blade Trinity was a fifteen or yeah. twelve, wasn't it? And I think that's probably uh, what people's a, major gripe was. And a travesty as well. And a really bad film. Um, I mean, for they put the blind girl in charge of security for Christ's sake. <laughs> No, I think for yeah, for me, I, I would if if I was to see more Blade, it would need to be. I'm, I'm if they if they find a way of reintroducing him, there's a number of ways they could do it. They could say, for example, maybe he's from Wakanda. You know, maybe that's originally where he comes from. I don't know, but I mean that doesn't really fit with him with the mythology of Blade. No. Uh, well, bizarrely, in the comic book m- b- uh, mythology, he was born in a brothel in Soho, in London. <laughs> so um, anything could happen. Uh, but I realise we're coming to a draw, but I haven't done. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. So, who else was uh, considered for the role, George? So, we've we've already talked about uh, LL Cool J was uh, in consideration early on. But the when, uh, I say, when New Line got the rights and David Goyer was involved, there was three people on the wish list. Uh, so, one of them was Wesley. Uh, and the other two, again, are not really surprising. They would be great fits. The other one is uh, Denzel. I was going to say Denzel, yeah. And before he got fat, uh, Larry Fishburne. So again, pre-Matrix, yeah. Larry, Larry Fishburne. He would have been ripped back then. Yeah, yeah. he was you. Well, obviously, he's, you know, he can Good hold, his, he can hold his own in, in the Matrix films. Yeah, but no, but it is Wesley's role. Uh, yeah, and... Any other coulda, woulda, shouldas? There were some uh, coulda, woulda, shouldas for... Stephen Dorff roles, I mean. Uh, yeah, there was... Actually, yeah, the guy who was going to be Deacon Frost... Um, Again, I don't know if this is just lazy casting directors, but originally it was going to be Bruce Payne, who is the uh, villain in Passenger 57. He's the serial killer. Yeah, he British looks a bit like a vampire. So yeah, I don't know if it's that. Well, him and Wesley had great chemistry in, in Passenger 57. Let's just get him back. But I think, it, again, you know, uh, me sort of, the, the Stephen Dorff lover now, um, I think it's an inspired move. Instead of having a classically gothic, suave, English type sort of villain 
you've got a young entrepreneurial br- brash American yeah and, and, it, and it kind of works I mean he's still suave mm-hmm. and then I cu- they had somebody else for Whistler and I looked him up and I didn't have a clue who he was so <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah I don't even I haven't even written it down I just uh, Chris Christopherson does have a presence I I, I, I didn't obviously I haven't watched a lot of the films he was in the 70s. I just remember him from this. And am I right in thinking he's in Payback with Mel Gibson? He is. Yeah, he's it's just the, the way he, it's the way he talks. Is just his delivery. It's like uh, I don't think anybody else can can deliver lines like he can. Yeah, I think there's a great line he has in the second one where he says, "Oh, how do you feel?" And he goes, "Like hammered shit." <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think that's that's all we've got to say. It's it's uh, it's worth revisiting. Yeah, I mean we we have a lot of love for this film, but even you know if you're not into it's it's a it's a great film. It's interesting. I say there's there's uh, tones of Batman. There's it's a detective thriller. There's um, the it's a good paced film, and it's not too long. It still stands up well, and there's a few laughs. Um, so yeah, I mean if if you're into this sort of genre, check it out. Yeah, check it out. So we'll be back next month with what we're not going to tell you. Are we going to tell them? Is it in the run-up to... No, I've forgotten. Yeah, so this was obviously in the run-up for uh, Infinity War. And I think next month sees the release of Star Wars spin-off Han Solo, or Solo as it's known. So in a real tenuous link, we're going to do Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So excited about that. That's a big film. We're going big this year, aren't we? We're, well, not, you, know, go, you know, not shooting our load. Yeah, I hope not. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that. George and I uh, now must leave you because we're going to a nightclub which backs on... Sexy nightclub. Sexy nightclub, which is near, um, near a butcher's <laughs> <laughs> with this hot girl who's being really horrible to us and uh, just, just like wants to you know suck our blood uh, sorry i've got my cap on backwards i'm dancing really badly I, what, what could go wrong which one of us is the douchebag <laughs> we're both douchebags so uh, i've been charlie mcgee i've been george mcgee and thanks for joining us see you next time see us next time on retroramble.blog and of course we are on spotify we're getting more downloads of spotify than any other channel um, so yeah um, we're also on iTunes we're uh, on uh, YouTube. YouTube YouTube we are on our own website <laughs> yeah which George has read out and um, before you delete Facebook check us out we're obviously on Twitter we're on Instagram and we're right here right now so if you're in the area um, drop on by and say hello <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense it doesn't matter should we just fade out with some pounding pounding techno music yeah, just one at a time one at a time existed this way thousands of years who are you to challenge our ways